Welcome to the Superhumans Inc. podcast, where we curate and discuss the latest technologies, people, and ideas that are transforming the planet. So we're live. Okay, thank you, Dr. Burke, for being here. So today with me is uh, Dr. Mark Burke, President and CEO of a company called Lassogen, which is uh, developing lasso, uh, lasso peptides for treatments. Uh, Dr. Burke is a serial entrepreneur, he has over 30 years experience in academia and the biotech and pharmaceutical industries, both small and large companies. He's built teams, he's built new technologies, platforms, IP portfolios, and product pipelines from ideation all the way to commercialization. Dr. Burke earned a PhD in organic chemistry from Yale. I'm gonna have questions about that. I heard that's, t that's a, one of the, isn't that like math 55 in terms of like one of the hardest classes you can take? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, was a postdoctoral work at MIT. Yeah, was a good one. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, you performed. You worked with uh, uh, Barry Sharpless, a Nobel laureate as well. So you have over over eighty peer papers and is inventor on over three hundred patents. Uh, you've received many honors in the world. You presented over three hundred lectures at major conferences and universities across the world. So, Dr. Burke, thanks very much for coming on today. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. So the first thing we want to do is, um, I, I don't, I feel like a lot of people are not familiar or they're learning and they're, they're like me, they're in the, the entry level, we would call it phase one of learning about what the lasso peptides are. So would you mind uh, explaining what lasso peptides are? Just give us a background and uh, when they were discovered and, and what they do. Yeah. So, so lasso peptides are actually, uh, fall under the class classification of a natural product. And, and a natural product is something that, for example, bacteria produce natural products. And I'd say uh, probably 30 to 40% of, of pharmaceuticals that are on the market today either are or derive from natural products. And what natural products are, if you go back to bacteria, uh, and, and I'm not talking about viruses right now, but this is bacteria. They have, they have two main uh, uh, functions. One is to survive, and that's called primary metabolism, where they're producing things that really allow them to grow and survive. If, they, if, they, if they're growing, that's primary metabolism. Secondary, secondary metabolism is, are things that allow them to survive in the face of threats. And a natural product, falls under that category, where if you're on, facing a threat, a bacterium learns or evolves the ability to produce natural products in order to defend itself, for example. So a lot of infectious disease agents, if you look at vancomycin and, 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 and all, all these penicillin and all these, all these types of natural products or der derivatives of natural products, they're all coming from, from that source, which is out of nature where nature's just trying to defend itself, for example. And so lasso peptides are a class of natural products. They're produced by bacteria, and they're produced uh, by the millions in nature. It, it, it's incredible what we've discovered in the last couple of years. So I'll go back to the original discovery of natural products. How natural products are, are, are ultimately discovered, is, is there, there are two main mechanisms for this. One is, you're extracting, you're taking soil samples, for example, and, and 
growing whatever bacteria from those soil samples, growing the bacteria and then extracting with, with solvents, extracting whatever products those bacteria are producing and then screening those for activity. Through, the, through that type of mechanism, one of the first natural products that were discovered came from our own human microbiome. That is, our gut, mm. inside mm. of our gut, in fact, the bacteria in our gut, one of them is producing a lassopeptide. And that lassopeptide is really aimed at, at controlling the population of other bacteria in its local environment. And so this is literally E. coli so in our gut. Are producing oh, so we first discovered these in our own guts. Okay, not yeah. not peptides. Uh, and lassopeptides that, are a classification, a type of peptide. They're a type of assume. peptide. They are a type of peptide. They're composed of fifteen to twenty-five amino acids, but they're very special. They're not your they're not your average peptide. And the reason they're not your average peptide is because if if you look at the structure of these, they have a ring, right? And, and, and I'll, I'll just put, they have a ring and they have a tail coming off of the ring. Okay. And that tail goes through the ring and out the other side. So it's literally wrapped up into a knot. And it has a ring, a loop, and a tail. And that is an extremely stable conformation or system. So those amino acids are wrapped up into, into a way that, that allows them to, to withstand degradation in the body. It allows them to... You can literally boil these in water, and they stay in that conformation. So that oh, so la so lasso is referring to like the cowboy lasso. That's, that's how they right. Got their name. That's exactly oh, okay. right. It's okay. the cowboy lasso okay. because it's la it's wrapped up like a lasso is wrapped up. Gotcha. And, okay. and 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 these rep these really resemble a lot of the ligands that are or, or or molecules that are in our bodies that regulate receptors for normal function, but also are important when disease occurs. Like right. what, what kind of what kinds of functions? So, so, so the functions, for example, would be growth hormones, uh, or or uh, there there are things called chemokines and cytokines that are regulating all sorts of functions, whether it's whether it's uh, uh, cell growth, or or directing the cells to produce certain things to to, to fight off infections, or, or 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 to regulate pain responses. There are just many different functions that these receptors in our bodies are trying to regulate that, that are, 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 are really modulated by these ligands in our body, what, what are called ligands. These are just molecules that our body produces in order for, for proper function, you know, to maintain the balance. And disease occurs when that balance goes, goes out of whack, when the, when the balance yeah. literally uh, uh, becomes a dysfunction. Uh, I'll give you an example. And, and it's okay. quite often linked to mutation. And mm -hmm. so if a disease like cancer uh, is, is often linked to mutations that occur over time in our bodies, which is why you often see older people accumulating these mutations to the point where cancer develops. And cancer is a, a prevalent much more in, in older populations because of the mutations that, that accumulate, leading to dysfunction of a certain enzyme, for example. And, and so if you have a growth factor that is, that is binding to a cell, so if you look at a cell in our body, these mm -hmm. molecules that I'm calling ligands in our body, these molecules bind mm -hmm. to the cell, mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll then have to transmit the signal all the way to the nucleus of that cell in order to, to regulate 
and direct its activity. And part of that activity is you're saying a growth factor comes along, binds to the cell, mm -hmm. transmits a signal to the nucleus, and, and it's telling the nucleus to start growing mm -hmm. or to start dividing. And, and that's often regulated by this growth factor, but a problem occurs if a mutation in that whole transmission cycle occurs where that signal is sent even in the absence of the growth, of the growth factor. Right? So you don't have a growth factor, but the cell is still dividing. And okay. that's, a, that's a hallmark of cancer where you have uncontrolled growth. Uh, uh -huh. Right. And so, and so that's the kind of imbalance that occurs uh, that leads to disease. And, and, and that imbalance is what the pharmaceutical industry is trying to restore when, when they're trying to treat a receptor like that that is mutated, for instance, and shut down that transmission that shouldn't be occurring. Okay. And, and, that, and that's, a, that's called a cancer therapeutic or a cancer treatment. I see. So, are, you, um, are you deriving these molecules differently from others? What, what has been done in the past? Yeah, what's done in the past is I started describing the, the, the mechanism for isolating natural products. Historically, what people do is they'll take organisms like bacteria and they'll extract and find out what, what those bacteria are producing through these very cumbersome methods. What we have found is, is that bacteria actually produce these products, these natural products, by uh, activating certain genes in their genome. And, and that leads to the production of these natural products, the biosynthesis of the natural product. These natural products, that, that term, uh, is, it, is it waste? And the natural products, what are you talking about? I knew you defined it in the beginning, but... Yeah, a natural product is literally any molecule that, that is, 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 is going to uh, uh, enable the, the growth, proliferation, and or survival of that organism. And so okay. it's, it's literally every, every biomolecule that the, that the organism produces, including ourselves, uh, we're, just a, we're just a collection of these cells, uh, right? And, and, and so we're producing these, these naturally produced molecules. And some are small, some mm -hmm. are very large. It goes everything from small little molecules to big proteins to DNA to RNA and, uh, and lipids. All of these are the major components that make up our cells and our body. Uh, okay. So we're, ju we're just a collection of, of proteins, you know, composed of amino acids and, and, and RNA and DNA, which are nucleic acids and lipids. That's all. That's what we are. That's all we are. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I just I, uh, I know the microbiome has something like three times as many cells in it as the rest of your body. You're actually more. We're all actually more alien cells than we are what we think of as our own cells. In terms of um, numbers, that's right. It, it's, it's that our cells are just a lot bigger. Otherwise, we'd have the shape of a bacteria. Uh, oh, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> it's all about scale. Yeah. So how did it happen? How did it come to pass that someone went digging around in their own gut, found these molecules, and then found out that they were actually in a, a treatment, a type of treatment? Yeah, yeah we're looking for, uh, for molecules in order to, because because early in, in the in the in the last century, in the 1920s and 30s, people started understanding that that if you if you look in nature, whether it's plants or bacteria or or or, or even animals like sea snails and things like this and coral, people are finding that bacteria and plants produce produce molecules that can be used for human disease, that can be used to treat human disease. And, and a lot of the early pharmaceutical industry came out of nature. It, 
and, and, and they, these are the kinds of natural products that I'm talking about. And so as people, you know, look for, look for different types of products in the early 90s, what, 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 was, what was, yeah, uh, should have started there exactly. Uh, <laughs> what, what, was, what happened there in the, in the early 90s is somebody was, was looking at bacteria that happened to be producing these lassopeptides and, and had the extraction methods and the isolation procedures where they started testing the activity of these extracts and saw an activity that they were interested in and then, and then explored what that was. And it turned out to be a lassopeptide. And it was just a unique okay. structure that nobody had ever seen before. And so originally it was thought of as a curiosity. This was very right. obscure, wrapped up in little knots. But it turns out, um, as uh, I'll, I'm gonna leap forward now. So these are these natural products that were discovered almost you know, accidentally in the beginning, and, they, and they, were, they were thought to be interesting structures, not quite sure what they ultimately did or whether they were prevalent in nature or, or this was just isolated incidents where, where, okay, this one bacterium happened to produce this, this very unique structure. It turns out, uh, you know, I, I started describing how bacteria produce these use, using, using genes, right? And, th and this is the blueprint for proteins in our body. And if you string proteins together, ultimately that's how natural products are produced. And in the end, it's just a matter of, of we, we developed algorithms to, to look in genomic data for, uh, to, to really identify the genes that produce these natural products. And rather than extracting in that cumbersome pr procedure for isolating randomly natural products, we can now specifically go into genome data and identify the genes associated with what are what are now lassopeptides, or, na or other natural products, but lassopeptides is what we're interested in, and then pull those genes out and and ourselves produce the natural product on the basis of those genes. And so, for for us, that's incredible. The the, the, rev the revelation was our our co-founder at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. He wrote this algorithm, and it was very difficult to spot these, these little genes inside big genomic data previously. This is DNA being sequenced. That's genomic data, and, and companies right. like Illumina have, have become monsters in, in, in the life science area uh, on the basis of this of the sequencing uh, 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 technologies that they And developed. cellularity as well? Isn't cellularity right down the street from you? Are there yeah, another so one doing work here? Yeah, cellular. There are a lot of companies working in the area right. of DNA, DNA sequencing and, and, and really leveraging that, that, that sequencing technology for, for, for healthcare purposes. And, and, and so, what, what's incredible about all this data that we've now collected using this sequencing technology is it, it's, it's, it's the information that's just sitting there as blueprints for, for new drugs. And, and one of those drugs uh, that, 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 we're now developing are called lassopeptides. Our co-founder wrote an algorithm where he could accurately predict the sequences associated with lassopeptides. And no, and no one else was really able to do that previously. But when he looked inside one of the public databases, it's called GenBank, when he looked inside this public database, he, he found something incredible. Instead of some obscure little interesting structure, he found that, that these lassopeptides were produced by almost all bacterial phyla. And so they're extremely prevalent in nature. 
and they're very diverse. That is, all the all the sequences were were different from each other, and and that diversity means that bacteria are using these for different purposes, a wide range of different purposes, and they're literally evolving these lassopeptides for whatever purpose they have or whatever need they have, in order in order to address, for example, they need they need to survive. They need to produce a lassopeptide, for instance, in order to kill bacteria in its local environment. Right, and, they, right. and they do that, and they evolve it to specifically hit whatever they need to hit in that other bacterium in order to kill it, um, because that's a threat, or, or it's a competition for food, or whatever, whatever purpose they have. Yeah. And, it, and it turns out these lassopeptides are extremely easy to evolve. They just happen yeah. to be produced in a way that, and, 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 and bacteria have learned this likely millions of years ago. So they've been using these systems for millions of years, most likely, to defend itself and for other purposes. And we didn't realize it until Doug Mitchell, who's our co-founder at the University of Illinois, wrote this algorithm. Okay. And that just opened up the whole field of lassopeptides. How recent is all this, are we talking? Like last five years, last 20 years? Well, lassopeptides, the first ones discovered throughout the isolation methods I described was, was 20, Ooh. 25 years ago. This is all happening within the last three years. Right, and, and, three years. And, and, I, and so Doug Mitchell published his paper at the, toward the, uh, in, in the middle of 2017, and I read that paper, and the day I read that paper, we had been developing methods to actually produce some very unique methods uh, that, that, that uh, we were developing inside the previous company I was at called Genomatica. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we were developing methods, and one of the first methods that, that we applied, applied it to was lassopeptides. These are called cell-free biosynthesis methods, where okay. I talked about the genes, and here, instead of putting the genes and taking those genes, the question is, what do you do with those genes to get those genes to, to assemble in a way that produces the product you're interested in producing? The, the, most, the most, I'd say, uh, fundamental way of doing that is taking the genes and inserting it in another organism and getting that organism like like e coli for example to produce okay. that those gene, th those proteins in the natural product here we're using we're not using the cell at all we're we're doing it much faster so we're just dropping the genes into what's called a cell extract and boom we're producing natural products so one of the first ones we tried was lassopeptides where we literally just take the genes that Doug is now identifying and yeah. put them into a, into a reaction mixture, and out comes the lassopeptide, really fast. Now, uh, is is this all is this all considered molecular farming, or is that something different? That's a little different. This is this okay. is what would be considered a method that falls under the rubric of synthetic biology. Synthetic biology. Okay. Yeah. So so this is all synthetic biology methodology. So you have genomics and synthetic biology that. Are, that, that is a marriage that has led to, the, to this, this, this opportunity that we have to, to now develop what nature has found and validated for, for millennia, that is lassopeptides being very effective in, in, in doing whatever bacteria need to, to accomplish, but we can now direct this toward human disease as opposed to what bacteria needed. And, and so... Okay. I was, I was developing that technology. I read Doug Mitchell's paper. The te and the, the te not, not to, the technology to isolate the lassopeptide or the yes. technology to? 
So yeah, explain that. Where does your so you guys produce it and then where it is, what can you patent? Because you can't, I mean, you can't, can you patent, you can patent the biology? Where, where does that all start, the ownership? Yeah, that's a great question. So what you can patent, you can patent the, the methods for producing natural products. You can patent uses for natural products. And you can patent analogs of natural products. And, and that where, that's where the strongest patents are. That is, comp compositions of matter come from taking a natural product like a lassopeptide, right? You have a natural lassopeptide that's, say, it's composed of 20 amino acids. And the, the bacterium produced that natural, that, that, that lassopeptide with 20 amino acids to serve its purpose. Now, we can take that, nat that natural lassopeptide with those 20 amino acids and start changing those amino acids. And as soon as we change those amino acids, it becomes a pat patentable entity. And so all of a sudden you're making analogs, what I'm calling oh. analogs, which is just changing the amino acids from the natural lassopeptide, creating, right. lass creating analogs that better serve our needs to treat human disease. And, and, and so we're now changing yeah, how those. Guar how guaranteed is that process? Are, are you with, are you with the idea of mutation at that stage? Yeah, you generate mutations in the lassopeptide, and then you're screening those mutations, or you're okay. using in silico approaches to model the lassopeptide to understand if you want to hit a certain receptor, if you want to modulate a certain receptor that has a mutation in it, for example, and it's causing, okay. you know, cancer. It's it's driving the growth of cancer and you want to shut down that receptor, we literally use, now use computational methods to take lassopeptides, put them inside the receptor that has a structure associated with it, and identify the, the, the mutations we need to make in that lassopeptide in order to get high affinity binding to that, to that receptor. And so we're, we're, we're using a lot of different methodologies in order to introduce mutations into the natural lassopeptides that we can then not only use to, to uh, as, as better better uh, optimized drugs for treating human disease, but also something we can mm. pack along the way. Very interesting. All right. Well, this this seems like it's a hot topic at this point in time. Um, so when we're when we're doing these mutations in these labs, it, what is the is there any risk of of some sort of mutation that would cause harm in some way? No, well, we, 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 we haven't, we don't believe that the lassopeptides are going to, are going to cause harm, uh, although we, we take safe precautions in terms of how we handle all, all of these systems. And so we're screening them in a very contained environment. They're not going to be released in any fashion. And in particular, as we move forward, what, what, this is why drug development takes, takes a long time. You have to go through all the proper testing, including safety and tox testing, in order to ensure that there aren't issues associated with not only uh, delivering it from, from, from a, uh, the standpoint of, of treating the disease, but also secondary effects, side effects that might occur. And these are all things you need to test along the way. And there, there, there's called preclinical studies that are done, where, which, which sometimes involve the use of animals. And mm -hmm. you need that data before you go into human testing, which, which are called mm -hmm. clinic, clinical trials. So, so safety and toxin so, something something that's that is that lasso peptides in, in itself you hear about mutations sometimes 
And if you're introducing mutations into organisms, that, that, and, and this is, this is just to relate it to something you might have heard of, multi-drug resistant bacteria are an issue when yeah. it comes to world In world hospitals, health. right? Mostly in hospitals. Yeah, so, so there's something called MRSA, right? Uh, right. MRSA is yes. methicillin-resistant uh, uh, strep, strep, strep aureus. It's, it's staph, oh, staph, staph aureus, sorry. It's methicillin-resistant staph aureus. That's MRSA. Uh, right. And that's, that, that's because the organisms, staph, Staphylococcus aureus, the organism has, has mutated to be resistant to that drug. Right. And so it, you can now that that organism can grow in the presence of that drug. And now organisms are growing resistant to multiple drugs to the extent where you can look into the future and say there's going to be a bug out there that literally has so many mutations that we, we don't have anything to treat it. And, and that's that's a real threat, you know, probably a threat that's even more serious than what we're facing today with covid. And, and, and so it, it, it's, it's an issue that we have to, we have to uh, take seriously. And I think that this whole COVID situation that we're facing is, is, is the first wake-up call uh, to, mm-hmm. to, to the human population on, on Earth that, that we have to pay attention to this and be prepared for these, these types of scenarios. So it's very we, interesting. Kind of, kind of took a winding path to... To, to where we got to right now. Oh, that's how I, that's, hey, that's, I told you in the beginning. Yeah, I just want to, I'd like to be able to go wherever the conversation goes. Um, that's really interesting to me. So I wonder, um, this is, uh, I think so, there's so a I quote did, that I'm, oh, go ahead. I was, well, no, I, I was going to yeah. say, there's, 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 there's a quote that I'm thinking of. I don't know why right now. It's an Einstein quote talking about quantum physics, that it's like he, he, he defined quantum physics as spooky things happening at a distance. Because quantum physics is this whole world uh, that's so hard to understand, and that's I'm I don't know I think I, there's something about this that's in that vein for me. We're talking about microscopic organisms that you, that you have to see with a really powerful microscope, and we're talking about changing them, and and uh, and it's an entire universe that most people will never even have you know any understanding of. So I think that's partially why um, you know people. Uh, keep it at arm's length or, or interested, but also kind of terrified of it. Are there, you know, what are the risks to this kind of research? Or is there any risk of, of it, of some, an organism being reintroduced into the wild? Is that something that, that you guys think about or not really, it's just not really on the, on the radar. It's not realistic. It's not real. It's, it's, it's typically not realistic in the sense that we're going to we're we're producing these lasso peptides. The lasso peptides themselves are not going to represent a, a, a big risk, uh, just because the, the it's not the lassos that are growing. It's anything that grows or can replicate or multiply. That's right. why COVID is transmitted, and and it's transmitted yeah. very rapidly. This one happens to be transmitted very rapidly, uh, and so if a bacterium has is engineered to have mutations. And it can be transmitted like the COVID virus is transmitted. It's actually right. SARS-CoV-2. That, that represents a threat. But in t- typically, engineered organisms are, are, are maintained in a, con- a very controlled environment. Lassopeptides represent even less of a threat, much less of a threat than that okay. uh, in, in ter- terms of exposure. Because it's, it's going to be always contained. It's, 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 let me relate this to... Mm-hmm. What, the, what the pharmaceutical industry is built on today, and, and that is 
99% of drugs that are approved today are lar largely fall into one of two categories. They're either antibodies, they're composed of antibodies, which, which are these very large biological molecules. They're proteins that right. our body produces these antibodies. Yeah. And we're taking those antibodies, for example, and, and converting them into therapeutics. Right. And, and they, they have very great benefits, but they also have, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'd say limitations in, 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 in many factors are, are limiting with regard to antibodies in terms of being able to produce them at the right cost, the side effects, the, the immune response to antibodies tends to be really mm -hmm. high. The other class of molecules are called mm -hmm. small molecules. Right. This is like aspirin. If you think of aspirin, uh, you know, that, that's a small molecule. It's just, it's just a, a really, really small little thing that happens to uh, find its way to, to the right receptors or enzymes that are causing something like a headache, right? Or ibuprofen. Yeah. Right. right. You always have to take ibuprofen, you know, like the day after we drink too much wine or whatever. Yeah. And that's because it, it addresses inflammation pathways, you know, and these, but right. these are really, really small molecules, you know, from a size standpoint. But there's a big gap between antibodies, which are huge, and small mm -hmm. molecules, which are very small. And that's where lassopeptides fit. Just we're talking about a gap in size. Gap in size. Size matters. Size matters to biology. <laughs> to biology. <laughs> oh man, I'm not going to touch that one. So, I, what was really interesting to me, you said, was that there's a marriage of genome, of genome, of genomics and synthetic biology. I know that's pretty, that's relatively new. I mean, that's my lifetime. I'm relatively young, and that was all. That was Craig Venter. That was right around 2000, right? We sequenced the genome, and so now this whole field of research and development that you're in, that you're leading, it's all very new, and I think there's probably a handful of people on the planet that can really intelligently uh, explain the implications, the potential implications of this whole field. So can you speak to that at all, how exciting this is? Well, we're, we're, we're really excited by the fact that uh, lasso peptides are, are completely untapped source of new medicines. Uh, and, and we happen to be there at the right time, the right place, with the right experience and the right technologies all converging to open up this opportunity. Uh, you know, like I was saying, I, I read this paper from Doug Mitchell and I just made all the connections and it became clear in my mind, bacteria have been using this for millions of years and have found this very useful and no one, no one has literally tapped into this amazing source of, of new chemical matter that could help us as far as disease is concerned or diagnostic applications or animal health applications or plant health applications. It, it has broad implications in terms of the number of industries that can be impacted by this. And we're approaching this from a very new and different way, a, a different fashion. Th these lassopeptides not really being explored are, 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 are enabling us to, to address causes of disease that those two other modalities, as they're called, small molecules and antibodies, are, are, are not well equipped to address. And, and that's the size matters situation. Because in our body, there are many, I called them receptors before. These are things that regulate how our cells behave. These are all, all over the cell surface, for example, are these receptors. 
And they all do have different functions in regulating, does a cell move? Does a cell grow? Does a cell proliferate? Does a cell produce other chemicals? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and so, so all of these factors are regulated by these, by these ligands or molecules in the body that look nothing like a small molecule and they look nothing like an antibody. And that's where lasopeptides come in. And, 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 and the vision I had when I read Doug's paper that it's already been validated by bacteria over millions of years, this is an amazing opportunity because we can now manipulate these systems with the technology we have available to us in a way that is just incredible for addressing all these human needs in human health, animal health, plant health, diagnostics, et cetera. Uh, even potentially materials could be, could be produced from lasopeptides because they're so stable. I mentioned that. You can boil them in water. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're very stable. And so you can imagine producing materials from these lasopeptides. And, and, we, can manipul- and we can manipulate these in a way that, that it, it just opens up a world of opportunity to us. Possibilities. Well, I'm going to ask you a question about the possibilities in a second. Um, you've brought that that uh, paper by Doug Mitchell up a few times. Is is that online? Is that a link yeah, yeah. that you can send me? Yeah, if sure. you, okay, if you send me that, I'll put that in the caption when we post it, when we put this up. We'll make sure that's something that people can read if they want to. I think yeah. that'd be really cool. I know that I'd like to read it. Yeah. So where do you stand on um, on aging as a disease, as something that's curable? And do you it, do lasopeptides have the ability to cure aging? Is that potential application? I, I think overall, I mean, I, I actually saw the little clip you had on, on the superhumans uh, site around around the aging uh, component. And, and I do think that aging is, is a very interesting area. I think we're at the very beginning of understanding the aging process. And obviously, we're going to find, uh, first of all, if you think back even 100 years, we were living until we were like 35 years old. So yeah, we're, yeah. we've already done a, a great job of, of increasing lifespan. And mm-hmm. it's not just lifespan, it's, it's healthy lifespan. So, so it's wellness and, 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 and the well span that we have huh, that, right. that we want to advance. And, and so I think it's perfectly feasible to think about living to you know, 100 in, in our lifetime. We, the, the lifespan is likely to, to go up to close to 100 years old where you're gonna see more and more people as centurions uh, living healthy, re- reasonably healthy lives. And, and so how far can you take that? Uh, the more we, we do the research, the challenge is you have to do the, it's hard to do that research on humans because you ultimately need the data where people are ultimately living that much longer. And, and that takes all a right. long time to get all the data to support your theories and, 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 the, and, and the, me- the mechanisms you're using to increase lifespan. You can do it on animals, but does that, that, does that, does that really translate to humans? That makes it a little. If you challenging. double, if you if 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 you double a, a mouse's lifespan, it just lives to ten. Yeah, it doesn't really help us very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so, uh, but nonetheless, that's how the pharma. That's how the, you know, the, the healthcare industry proceeds. Is is you you make these discoveries, you test them on on animals, and then ultimately they're tested in humans, and you get the data over time. But it's all about maintaining the health, overcoming the the, the imbalance that I talked about. Health mm-hmm. is, is, is a, health is associated with balance and, and, and it's whether it's planetary balance that we're now disrupting with climate change or it's, or it's mm-hmm. balance in our bodies where, where, where we have an imbalance that, that occurs and 
enough enough of that imbalance, and boom, a disease is 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 the result. And and so if we can we can maintain balance, and and it's more than just pharmaceutical industry. This is this is about the environment, cleaning up the environment. This is this is what are we ingesting, right? What are we right. inhaling every day? What are we, what what are we eating? Our whole food system. How healthy right. is that? I mean, it goes a long way. How how much are you exercising? So many factors, as far as, far as life are concerned, go into the question you're asking about aging. But boy, yeah. do I think we can increase our lifespan? No question, if we do everything right and we pay attention to all those factors. Right. So how? So to touch on that, how much do you think the natural world, um, I guess, the ecosystems that we have in place, the oceans, things like that, uh, you know, jungles, and all of the natural products that we find in those organisms, how much do they contribute to our own and to this field of research and development? Yeah, all, all the, all the uh, discoveries that have been made from interesting cancer drugs, uh, and, I'll, and I'll say na nature has been really good. Uh, I'll, I'll just talk again about bacteria, that we go into the jungles and, and we're looking for, for new molecules that nature's producing, whether it's in the plants or in the bacteria. And when we find that, we start looking for ways of applying these new molecules. And most of the time, what we find is nature is really good at killing things. <laughs> and what I mean by that, it's defending itself. Right. And so in the infectious disease world, whether it's a plant defending itself from a bug or a bacterium defending itself from another bacterium, we get all these different molecules, that goes back to the natural products, that mm -hmm. have Im impacted the, the pharmaceutical industry tremendously. And in fact, it's, it's really the original basis for the pharmaceutical industry. And so, so, you know, in so much as what we're doing, we're, we're, we're just following nature's lead and saying, oh my gosh, look at what we have in front of us as, as a new opportunity that is totally unexplored by, by humans, but has been explored extensively by bacteria. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't know if that answered your question, Christian, but... Um, yeah, no, yeah, it does, it does. Um, let me jump to this. This is what I'm really fascinated in. Just, I've been in working in the corporate world for a while in, in medical technology. And so what I wonder is, we seem to be kind of hitting this exponential part of the growth curve with a lot of technology development. Do the existing systems we have in place um, from protecting IP all the way to commercialization, and I know that you're familiar with the entire process, is it going to hold up? Are there problems in the system that aren't going to allow as much innovation as is now possible? Do we have to change some of that? Does it work? Will it continue to work? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, th I think the system's working. Uh, if, if you, if you, uh, I'll, I'll just talk about IP. The system works if people pay attention to the system, right? You, you, you go to other meaning areas. If you, if you, you go oh, to other, other meaning, areas of the globally. world. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. If, if people aren't paying attention to a patent, all of a sudden, and there are countries that, that are more re relaxed in, in their, in their, in their uh, you know, uh, no names their, necessary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but you, you know, and, 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 and so that, that becomes a challenge from an, from, from just from a commercial standpoint when you're, when you're trying to drive a business. It, it's it's becoming more consistent globally, but it's still not where it needs to be. So if things need to improve, that's certainly one area. The, the patent law be, being being really consistently uh, uh, abided by 
uh, countries or countries around the globe. I think some of those countries, uh, you know, and, and, and I'll bring up China because China China's been an issue that's it's, it's publicly known that yeah. over the years China's been a, pro, a challenge for uh, companies with regard to intellectual property and and but they're now developing their own technologies that they want protected. So they're starting to understand more and more as mm -hmm. they start to innovate that they want to protect their own innovations. And so as they un move transition from, you know, literally taking, taking technology from other areas to developing their own technology, they're now starting to say, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. So the system's working now yeah. that they want to pay attention to their own, their own innovations. Um, uh, but, but, other, uh, there's so much opportunity for innovation. It's incredible. I, I, all I know is as I learn more every day, I'm in awe of what's going on around us. But at the same time, I realize, and this is not new. Uh, so many people have said that. I realize how little I know, you know, and and how much innovation opportunity there is, uh, because you start making all these connections and you start saying, I can do this in a different way. This is what we did with lasso peptides, but it, mm -hmm. the, the innovation opportunities are just vast as we expand our ability to understand nature and science and 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 the different technologies that are able to bring this to to humans. Literally, that's that's that. If you think about the customer base that we're that we're all facing, it's patients, for example, in the health healthcare industry. The patients that that we want to have, uh, in our case. Uh, using our lassos to help them get back to a healthy, healthy, balanced situation for, in their life and, and, and move on to, to a great existence while we have that sliver of life and, you know, and the opportunity to enjoy life as, as, as we have it. We have that one little opportunity, very short period yeah. of time, make the most of it. And, and if it's healthy, it's going to be more enjoyable. Yeah, that's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, my Confucius says everyone has two lives and the second one starts when you realize you have just one. <laughs> yeah, one of my well, favorites. the old carpe diem and all of that, but it does, it yeah. does, it, do, it does, you know, every time I see something where, uh, like a friend of mine, uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor is his name. Yeah. And, and I've known him since I was very childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to play street hockey a lot and he was our street hockey goalie. And he was just tremendous. Uh, and and um, and over the years, you know, he, he, he's, he's my age. He's not old at all. But the other day, in the midst of all this COVID situation, uh, he, di he died, right? He, he, he didn't wake oh, up this morning. And sorry. it was just sad, you know. But these are the things that make you say, that, that can happen at any moment. You know, seize the moment, seize the day, make the most out of the time you have, you know, and, 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 and I know it's challenging on the economic side of things and everything, but, but as much as you can, position yourself in your life to, to get the most out of it because it goes quickly it, it, and it can go in a, in a flash. I agree. Okay. I agree with you on that. Um, <clears throat> Well, I wanted to uh, I wanted to kind of bounce back just a, just a minute on this because we we just talked about Pat and we're talking about the systems a little bit. It seems that um, seems that you think that we have systems that can work for the next decade or two at least. Um, there was there's been some policy I think is interesting that we 
uh, Daniel and I looked up for this. There was a an act called the the Buy Dole Act. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, what it basically says is, uh, and this isn't recent, but it's still enforced. Uh, government funded research, um, government funded research has the ability to own patents, so they can compete in the in the private space. Now that kind of happens anyways. I imagine your company might have some a little bit of both. You've raised funds on your own. You probably have some grants, some federal rights and grants. So is there, do you see any conflict of interest there between the public and private sector in developing some of these technologies that have obviously a tremendous amount of upside potential in the market? Yeah, and and I think the the, the, the rationale behind the Bayh-Dole Act was, was mainly to protect the public. It, it's saying we're using public funds in order to allow you to and help you develop technology, and if that turns out to be some ma amazing uh, opportunity to treat COVID, right? right for example, yeah, yeah. we want to be uh, the ability to to reach in and grab it and 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 apply it, right? Uh, to help to help in a, in a, in, a, in a situation of need, and and rarely does the government ever do that, and so if if they did do that. It would be nobody would companies wouldn't go after government funding, uh, and 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 so so I would say it's there. It's I, everybody understands the rationale behind it because there are times of need where the government might need to reach into new new innovations. If there was a a, a vaccine that was developed with federal funding, for example, the government wouldn't right now be able to reach into the, to that vaccine and say we need we need to. You know, take some ownership on this and, and promote this as a, as, as uh, a cure, so to speak, for the situation we're in right now. Um, but in general, like I said, the government doesn't do that. The, 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 in, in general, it's understood that even though the the the, the funding or some of the funding, because it's not all of the funding, they get a drug to market. It's way beyond typically what a government grant's going to provide. Mm -hmm. uh, so so. If you think about a billion dollars might be required to take a take a drug all the way from discovery to 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 approval and market, mm -hmm. uh, the government's not going to provide a billion dollars for any given company to develop a single drug. A lot yeah. of that money is going to come from other sources. So, so to give it to give carte blanche ownership when they might have provided a million or two million at the beginning of that program really isn't reasonable for any company. Uh, and, and, and if that were the case, like I said, companies would not go for government funding. Uh, it turns out that's not the situation because the government does realize that with all the other additional funding opportunities and mechanisms that we have in place to advance the drug, that billion dollars that we need, for example, mm -hmm. uh, we have to source other, other, other amounts of money. And, 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 and we're, the, we're better equipped than the government is in terms of bringing these drugs to market. And so they right. say... We've helped right. you along the way. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it's about helping patients in the end, and you're better equipped at doing that than us, so they don't have that reach in. Mm -hmm. What about the other side of the coin? What about the concern for some of this information? We're talking about synthetic biology. We're talking about biology. We're talking about individual, in some cases, you know, organisms. So com private companies and citizens, CEOs, owning that data, owning that that having that be proprietary, do you see any risk there or any problems with that? 
I, I, I do think that, you know, there has to be uh, integrity in the system. And so while we're I'm in the healthcare industry, of course, you're going to have the economic drivers. Uh, you wouldn't get investments otherwise. Investors are interested in, in return on their investment. Right. Uh, and, and, and so that economics factor, the economic driver there has to be balanced with why you're ultimately doing this. Uh, and, and so if, if people are, are trying to keep things proprietary in order to, for strictly their economic gain without, without following through with, uh, I'd say, disclosing either information or products that could help certain segments of the population, even in the absence of economic, economic factors that, that are going to be favorable to them, then, then that is probably not maintaining the integrity that you need in the system. And one example I'll give, Christian, around that thought process is quite often what you'll see is people focusing on drugs for Europe, the U.S., Japan, the big markets. And so the mm -hmm. underdeveloped parts of the world are not served with regard yeah. to a lot, a lot of the, the, the drug opportunities uh, because pharma companies or the industry just can't make money in those underdeveloped. They can't charge the same prices. And so right. a lot, a billions of people on the planet are not being treated properly be because of the economic situation. And this is something I, I have to give kudos to Bill Gates on. He, he has, uh, and through his Gates Foundation, he's been funding a tremendous amount of research focused in the underdeveloped nations and under underdeveloped parts of the world, like Africa, for example, where, where he'll, he'll, he's been funding malarial research that tip specifically can be applied with low-cost, uh, highly stable systems or drugs that, mm -hmm. that, that can be produced in Africa, for example, and, and, and distributed and stored in these hot environments, for instance, uh, and, 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 and done at a cost level that can be uh, tolerated in, in these underdeveloped nations. He's promoting that and, 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 and funding that kind of research uh, for years now, for years. You know, well, he, that's he, the, but that's, that's a nonprofit model, right? I mean, the economics are different there. It, it's, it's a, for him, it is a nonprofit model, but, but he's also funding companies to be, to be able to, to drive that opportunity. So if a, if a, if a, I think it's a lot easier for a company to say, okay, there's a disease, malaria. I may not be able to, in Africa, I, I could develop a drug, may not get the same you know, uh, return on that as I would if I developed a cancer drug in the U.S., but if the Gates Foundation is paying most of the cost, or, or at least a, a reasonable amount of the cost to develop that drug, it, it, it can become a justifiable, even an economically justifiable endeavor. You know, so it's they've it's got margins. They got margins in one market that support some this you know development in another market, and then their losses can be write-offs, so they can. Okay. Right. And, and your yeah. NPV analysis is going to have, a, you know, a, a big grant sitting there of, of, you know, these are our development costs and 60 percent of these are paid by by, uh, you know, the Gates Foundation, for example. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, you know, I, I think even though that's not a perfect system and you're not. He, yeah. He's, he's trying to promote that kind of research. Um, mm -hmm. I, I and, and, and you know, 
there there are plenty of billionaires who don't do that. That yeah. I I have to call out Bill Gates and say, great job. Right, we are uh, we're kind of dependent on a few of them behaving in that way, I suppose. It, well, and we should be uh, enjoying that from a lot more, I believe. You know, in terms of sharing philanthropic philanthropically trying to improve the human condition. You know, and, and you have all this money, you're never going to spend it in a lifetime. Try to do good with it, and I think far too few of the people in that position are doing it, uh, as far as I can tell, to my knowledge. Right. Do you think that, so on that, staying in that note, in terms of billionaires or, or the class the class of citizens globally that has the access and the resources to do these kinds of things, um, do we need to change incentives, some incentivation structures for them to encourage that more? Or do we even want to rely on that model going forward? Should there be a better way? There, there's kind of this idea of if that really wasn't the public good for the entire continent of Africa to have it, access to vaccines um, or a drug of whatever kind, do you, do, you, have you, do you play around with other ways that might be better for doing this, uh, changing the capital market structure or changing the way things are, the ownership of these drugs? If, if things get funded by, by governments, can governments mandate that a certain percentage has to go here and there and that? This is kind of an open-ended question, but do you have any thoughts in that general sphere? Well, uh, it's a great question, Christian. Uh, it, it, it's one that I'll, I'll, I'll just relate to you through an analysis that I've done on, on uh, you know, how we wanted to, to, to develop our vision for Lassogen. How are we going to take Lassogen's technology and apply it in what areas? And, and one area we could have gone into that would have been an easy, almost low-hanging fruit, slam-dunk situation is infectious diseases. Uh, I mentioned lasso peptides, which are natural products, are quite often produced for defense from an organism standpoint. They're trying to defend themselves, right? And the infectious disease area, unfortunately, has not, is, 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 is not, uh, is, 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 I'd say, riddled with challenges with regard to the amount of money you can actually charge for those drugs. And the pharmaceutical industry accordingly has gotten out of infectious disease research. And, and, and the reason for that is the return on any investment you have in developing infectious disease drugs today relative to a cancer drug or an autoimmune disease drug is, is, is vastly different in a, in a bad way and not in favor of infectious disease research. There's, there's an example of a company in, in the Bay Area that recently had a drug approved for an, a, multi, a, a multi-drug resistant bacterium infection, a urinary tract infection, and they had an approval and six months later they went bankrupt because they couldn't, they couldn't produce and charge enough for that, for that drug to sustain their operations any longer. And, and it's just, it's just uh, a, a, an example of how that, the incentives are not there for infectious disease research, despite the fact that, look at, look at what we're facing today. This, what we're facing today is an infectious disease research. But I couldn't take the company at this early stage down the path of infectious diseases, even though it makes sense. It makes sense for us to do that, but the, but the return 
and therefore the investors are not investing in infectious diseases because the, the pharmaceutical industries are not able to get their return on that investment. And so investors are saying, well, pharma is not interested in this because of the returns. I'm not interested in this because your company is not going to be able to make enough money. So, so that system is broken. And, and, and that system, ha there needs to be changes in terms of incentives. There needs to be government, in, uh, you know, a restructuring of, of perhaps getting involved in providing subsidies and or facilitating the development of infectious diseases, uh, the, uh, sorry, drugs to, to treat infectious diseases going forward. That is a broken system that needs to be fixed. And the whole industry is suffering as a, accordingly. And, and this is just a primary example Hardly anybody was 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 doing this COVID research. Now, now you know there, there's tremendous activity in the COVID area, but that's just yeah. because when we're faced with a fire, you put it out, right? And 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 so everybody everybody's you know activated with regard to this. But now there's but, now there's plans for COVID twenty, COVID twenty one, right? There's are there you well, you're, you touched down the pharma world. Is there developments going on for the next strands of this? Well, we'll see. Treatments? But I, so so. I actually believe our technology, I, I mentioned it, our technology can be applied to, to infectious diseases. I've taken our company down the path initially of uh, immuno-oncology. Uh, immuno-oncology is aimed at uh, getting your immune system to attack and, 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 and destroy cancer. And, and it's really activating our own immune system. The cure within us, it's activating that cure within us. And, and they're, 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 it's a, a relatively new field that, that we think has amazing opportunities and, and lasso peptides can, can, can contribute to that. Uh, and, it, and it has a higher ROI. It's a cancer treatment, right? So, so there's a lot more interest Check, it from It checks investors. both boxes. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And a lot yeah. more interest from pharma, et cetera. Uh, in, in the context of COVID, we do think lassos actually play, could play a role I'm not changing or pivoting the company over to COVID, but as we think about this, the, our, 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 co our, our collaborator and co-founder at the University of Illinois, Doug Mitchell, he's interested in, in demonstrating how lassos can be applied. And so we're, 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 we're submitting grants together, for example, in this area. Uh, and, and one of the, one of the um, uh, uh, area, areas that we're really focused on is, is we believe lasso peptides are really well suited for the future. It's not so much developing a platform for treating COVID-19. It's a platform, like you said, for treating the next one, for treating COVID-24, mm. for, for treating other viruses that are out there, Nipah and all these other viruses that are, that are out there. There was, there was a, there was a coronavirus that mm -hmm. a couple of years ago hit, hit, hit the swine industry and killed almost 100% of piglets during, during one year, a few years ago. It was a diarrheal coronavirus that was just devastating. And it, it, it slammed the, 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 pig, the pig farming industry, uh, was, was, was really uh, damaged through this. And we're talking about most of these viruses come from animals, right? Almost every one of these, or probably everyone in, in, in the end, uh, come, this, this one is thought to, uh, and, and has been observed to reside in bats, for instance. Uh, and, and then trans it mutates, because virus, that's what viruses do, they mutate. Yeah. And then ultimately they mutate to a point where they can be, they can jump, they can transmit to other species like humans. And right. when that happens, you know, uh, uh, you know we, we get into situations like we are today. 
uh, well, if that, if that pig coronavirus mutates and transmits to humans, imagine if that, if that same scenario plays out where human fetuses are now susceptible, that could be damaging to the whole human population as we know it. Right? Yeah. And so these yeah. are the kinds of things we have, we have to pay attention to uh, going forward here. And it's, it's about the future and putting what, what I'm calling for lassopeptides, for example, a rapid response platform in place where we can respond much quicker than we, than we are today. Be prepared mm -hmm. for these. But we need, we need support for that. And so who's going to provide the money to get those platforms in place? You know, it's the government, but, you know, is there going to be more interest from investors and pharmaceutical mm -hmm. industries who can take these to market and market these or the government to stockpile these and, and therefore serve as an outlet for your products? You know, where they're buying this to store in a stockpile, not hydroxychloroquine, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, other right. other drugs. <laughs> so so uh, other, other more 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 important uh, antiviral drugs in particular. Because the reality is it's not even clear a vaccine is going to work. It's mm -hmm. not even clear that our antibodies or how long and if and how long antibodies actually guard you against being reinfected. And so in, until we know those, those points and have demonstrated that our antibodies, they last, I'll, I'll just take an example, you know, if you have a smallpox vaccine, you're pretty much guarded for life, right? You, you, you have a memory system in, in your immune system you're guarded for life. Mm -hmm. It's not clear. Uh, HIV, there's still not a vaccine, right? Magic Johnson's sitting there with HIV. There's still not a vaccine. He's had it for 20 years. There's still yeah. not a vaccine for HIV. So it, we don't know if we can create a vaccine or not for this. And, and until, until they do and show it works, hmm. there's th th that's where we need therapeutics to cure as opposed to a vaccine. So this is drugs that, for example, don't allow the virus to get into the human cell. Right. And, that, and that's, that's something. Where are, yeah, where are the synergies? So what kind of, what, what, it, where, who are you locking arms with? Um, where are the marriages happening? In, in terms of COVID or, or in general? Oh, in, so in, in developing uh, your treatment options, uh, what companies, what technologies are you partnering with? And, and where are you seeing a convergence of new technologies? You already mentioned that, that uh, Doug used an Mr. Mitchell used an algorithm um, in genomics here, which I'm yeah. sure, sure this is a ton of data. So you're probably using big data analytics. What else is all coming together? Yeah, it's, it's all, I mentioned SynBio, synthetic biology, synthetic biology, genomics, uh, big data and AI and, and, and computational methods, they're all converging and getting to the point where the, the, these, these technologies are, are, are really, I'd say, well-suited and, and, to, and to an advanced enough state to where integrating all of those technologies is a huge opportunity that we have today that we literally didn't have five or ten years ago. Right. And so it's going very quickly in terms in terms of putting all these technologies together. And that's exactly what we're doing. Our opportunity is around in silico methods, genomic methods, bioinformatics methods, big data and synthetic biology uh, in order to bring bring these new therapeutics, uh, you know, uh, uh, to to development stage and ultimately to the market and to patients. Doesn't UCSD have one of the best bioinformatics uh, programs around saw that that recently as well 
I know there's um. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a there, I think you you might have seen this one where they're using a supercomputer to to analyze co the COVID virus actually. A quantum uh, computer or a supercomputer? It's a supercomputer that they were using. Yeah, that, and 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 this was our name is Rami Amaro, who I who I know. So we're in San Diego. Uh, one of our co-founders is actually from UCSD, uh, mm -hmm. and, and so we're tied into UCSD quite heavily, and and, and plan to tap into into the UCSD infrastructure more. That's and more. Dr. Handel. It is Dr. Handel. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you got an amazing an amazing team. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really great, uh, and 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 more people. It's a snowball effect. Uh, the more people that that are, that are experienced and talented that latch on to an idea, the more others you can attract because, you know, it, it, it's, it's like, oh, well, these guys really know what they're talking about. They think this is a good idea. Let me look more deeply into this. And as they yeah. do, they, they, they see the vision that, that we see. It's almost like a light bulb going off as I'm describing this. Um, and this is the challenge with science and conveying it to the, to the public. And, 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 you know, I, I appreciate what you're, what you're trying to do, Christian, in bringing science to the, 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 the lay person, so to speak, and 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 I think educating the public is so important because scientists don't do a great job of that, and and I probably haven't done the best job that I could do in terms of. Uh, I think Daniel said we should have started there or something like that. It's probably true. We uh, well, that know, that was I, my fault. <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> if, if I but if I thought about how to really lay out this story with really simple fundamental ideas to convey this really properly to the public. It's such an important thing for us to be able to do. I, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, the public really could benefit from understanding this, even at a little deeper level, uh, as, as opposed to what I'm, what I'm seeing every day uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of the understanding that, that exists right now. So overall, you know, um, like I said, uh, appreciate what you're trying to do here. Um, yeah. But I did lose the train of thought. <laughs> what, what were you? Uh, that was, we were talking about convergence technologies. No, you hit you hit everything on the mark, man. You really did. I, I, I um, I wanted to, uh, yeah, I wanted to get a feeling from you of all these pretty new technologies and how they're all talking together. And uh, you know, there's there's a company called In Silico Medicine, founded out of Johns Hopkins, and I think Bob Hariri, who runs Cellularity, had invested in them. And what they specifically, their whole business model is, they just apply machine learning, big data analytics, and big data storage to drugs because the lifespan of these drugs from R&D to product trials, animal trials, clinical trials, human trials, if it gets to the end and it doesn't solve the thing it was supposed to solve, even if it solves something else, they'd have to run it through again. And that cost something, it was like $10 million, I think they published as the average cost of development. So there's a ton of viable drugs or uh, treatments that are sitting on shelves because they, we don't. There's no proof that they're going to solve the thing that they're supposed to if we run them through again, and it's this incredible amount of waste. And it would. Um, so that's just one example of a company that's just basically applying the new technology to a pretty basic idea. Like it doesn't take a doctor to think that idea up. Here we have all this all this IP just sitting around doing nothing. So how do we repurpose it better? So yeah, that, um, that, that's a company that's actually in Hong Kong. They're operating out of Hong Kong. They're they're, they're oh really. It did come out of uh, Johns Hopkins, but um, they 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 uh, are using computational methods, and and I'll say computational methods can accelerate things. There's a lot of hype right now around around in silico 
methodologies, and we're, we're using them. I mean, it's going to be powerful for one of the things that's just amazing about our opportunity is we can combine the in silico methods that in silico medicine is using with mm -hmm. evol evolution technologies in order to optimize our lasso therapeutics. Evolution so that, technologies meaning what? Meaning in the lab, we can, we, we can take, so you design something in a model, you test it in whatever, whatever you know, biological test you, you, you need to say, this is working or it's not working, right? Mm -hmm. And then you'll say, okay, this designed molecule that in silico medicines or we with our in silico technologies develop, we designed this and it's working, but it's not working as well as we need it to. We'll then use laboratory-based evolution methods to change the amino acids of our lasso very rapidly and mm -hmm. then rescreen it in order to get optimized versions that the model might not have ever predicted. Right. And, and so we can combine those two technologies in a very, very uh, effective way, and, and a small molecule, which is what in silico uh, uh, medicines was was basing their their, their their models on, you can't you can't evolve those, right? It, it, it's not a natural event, so you have to chemically synthesize all of those molecules that they're predicting. We can use evolution technologies, and evolution technologies, by the way, these directed evolution, as they're called, or molecular evolution, won the Nobel Prize two years ago. That, that, that was Francis Arnold at Caltech. For oh, example. no kidding. She won oh. the Nobel Prize for exactly that, that kind of technology. And that's what we can apply with our lasso peptides in combination and integrated with these in silico methods. And, and that's a very unique feature of the lasso peptides that we're extremely excited about. Oh, man. And so, so when you talk about integrating technologies, that's part of it. That's that, that, that whole... Part of the syn bio or synthetic biology is those evolution methods that, that I just talked about that won the Nobel Prize. Uh, it was, it was uh, George Smith and Francis Arnold won, won the Nobel Prize for that. Um, huh. and, and, and so these are the methods that we can apply with lassos to optimize their properties well beyond what a, a model is good. It's great, uh, but it typically won't get you to the drug it, alone. And so you need you need something else, and quite often it's 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 either synthesizing millions of molecules, or producing billions of variants of a lasso peptide that we can do very quickly, using this evolution right. technology. Right. And, that and, is and, incredible. Yeah, yeah. We we literally we literally have at our disposal an infinite amount of lasso peptide diversity that, that we can screen, and then it's all a matter of do you have the right assay to get to the answer in order to drive you down the path of getting a drug. And so our methods are going to be really accelerating, but you have to, there's a caveat here, Christian, and yeah. that is every yeah. people, companies like in silico medicine, it's all great. It's just another tool, but their mm -hmm. acceleration is going to be really on the very front front end of a drug development process. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be advancing all the preclinical work, all the animal studies, all the human studies. They're, they're not really accelerating those studies. So gotcha. they're, 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 if you have a whole timeline, they're accelerating the very, very early stages, potentially. Well, then that would be good. So they would be perfect for hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> something yeah. that we already, something that we already kind of know, right? That, that would be a good, yeah, that's kind of yeah. where they might actually excel. Now, and here's the importance of doing the clinical work. Because mm -hmm. you have somebody like President Trump, 
uh, touting hydroxychloroquine as the breakthrough that he's looking for because he wants to get back on the economic side of things and promote his campaign and all that. Uh, this is all a distraction for him. People go, don't matter really. It's the campaign that matters. So hydroxychloroquine was his, was his, you know, his cure for it all. The problem is that there were a lot of side effects that if you try to use that in the fashion and the clinical trials are starting to bear that out, there are other, these side effects are actually really important, like cardiac effects, that if you, if you use it, the doses needed to even have an impact on the virus, it's going mm -hmm. to start introducing all these other factors. Uh, you know, and, and so you need the clinical trials in order to, 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 to do that. The design right. work, the modeling work won't, won't tell you that. So it, it's, it's why we have the clinical system in place. Interesting. So your opinion on, on hydroxychloroquine, I, I should probably get that since this, since you're an expert in this field. Um, do you have an opinion on, I guess, obviously, it's just something that uh, you feel like Trump is, Trump is touting. And I think it came out that he does have ownership in the company developing it. This kind of goes back to our conversation of where is it, where we have to draw the line. There's, there's conflict of interest, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I I, I don't, I, well, I'm not going to get into politics too much, but um, I, I, I think that uh, there, there are checks and balances in place, and we need to make sure that those checks and balances are, 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 are really uh, not only well-defined, but, but that, that people do not try to short-circuit that. Uh, we're in an emergency situation, so we're going to drive things quicker. And we all want a solution to this as fast as possible, but you still need to go through the process because in the end, if you give even a vaccine, if you start giving a vaccine to a large population of people and you haven't done the proper trials, you could end up killing a lot more people than, right. than, than the coronavirus is ever going to kill. So, uh, and we're starting to see, and, and the likelihood is that this coronavirus, the mortality rate's probably pretty low it's just that a lot of people are getting it. Yeah. You know, if you think about the number of people that get it and that probably have already even so high. The infectious yeah. rate is very high yeah. uh, to the extent that we haven't we don't have enough testing to be able to tell how many people have actually had it. And probably a lot more of people have had it and, and don't even have symptoms like you could have had it uh, uh, and, and, and you won't know it until you get the test. The antibody right. test. Right. And, and, and even then, the antibody tests that we have aren't great, right? They're, 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 there's a lot of false positive, false negative in the tests that we have today that we need to improve upon in order to really get a clear understanding about, about uh, who has it, who had it, who, who you know, uh, et cetera. Uh, and that's going to be important for opening up the economy. So it's, it's all tied into the response is going to be important to get that right in order to make people feel safe ultimately. That's great. Well, look, I want to, I want to close out by asking you what's next for your company. I know it's, it's pretty new, but, um, you have big plans. We've talked about some of them. So where do you think you'll be going next to get, uh, these discoveries to market? Yeah, we have, we have obviously a, a grand vision. Um, uh, my, my vision is, 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 is I, I just can't wait to get this going right now. It's all, it's all about money in the end. You can't do anything in terms of developing and advancing these ideas without without money, and so yeah. uh, 
we, we need, we're in the process of raising capital in order to make that happen. I'm raising some seed capital right now. Uh, so if you know anybody that's interested in this amazing yeah. idea, let, let me know. Uh, uh, absolutely. Where can, where can we send them? If we have people to reach out to us, how can I, should we send them to the website? Do you have an investor's deck on the website? Yeah, we, I mean, depending on how many people there are, uh, we have a data room. Uh, I, I have an investor deck that I can send uh, in, initially. If you have people that, that, that you think might be interested, um, I'm raising uh, right now a $4 million seed round to get the kind of data that we need to really set the stage for, uh, you know, 15 months now from now or 15 to 18 months from a very large Series A round, which will take us into the clinic for some initial human testing. And so this is all about getting the money to make this happen. And uh, it's, we're getting a lot of, I'd say, excitement and the momentum is building. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always looking for new people to, I told you, the, the, I can see it, the light bulbs go off and say, oh my gosh, this is kind of like at the beginning of when antibodies were starting to be developed. And they saw the opportunity for using antibodies as therapeutics. And and the people who got in early on that, now now look at antibodies. There are about 40% of drugs right now are antibody drugs. It became this huge opportunity. I think that this is very closely related to that, where you, this could really represent a major con contributor to, to, uh, to patient care going forward. And so we're really excited about that. And getting in now, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously a believer, in, and you see the light bulbs go off when people start hearing the story. Uh, we just need more and more of those, and it's happening. But that's that's the kind of investor that gets excited about the idea and wants to help promote it. And 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 you talked about in linking incentive with the billionaires and the dollars. Yeah. It's through this yeah. kind of investing where the, you link it, where they can get the return on their investment if they're if they're if they if they're comfortable investing in early stage opportunities and ideas to bring those and really allow them to flourish. That's the kind of investment that can that can really be beneficial for promoting the kind of science that can make a difference in the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we will forward anyone your way, so we'll talk about that. Um, I'm going to ask you for the link to the paper. That might be a good way to start that uh, your co-founder wrote. We're going to feature that. But listen, at the end of the day, Dr. Burke, thanks for coming on. Today's actually my birthday, and this is a hell of a birthday uh, gift as far uh, as I as far uh, as I'm. I'm really happy that you decided to come on. Thanks very much. Take care, and we'll talk soon, okay? All right, Christian. Thanks for having me, and uh, let me know if you have any other questions, and look forward to talking again soon. All right, will do. All right. Be well now. Take care. Happy birthday.